Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, nderf.org. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. And links to both the book and Enderf can be found on our website, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. You can also find the archives of all of our past shows there on that site. Today we're going to share a couple, possibly three experiences, depending on how much uh, detail we decide to go into in uh, discussing them. But we're going to start with Connie from uh, enderf.org, who says, I don't really remember a light. I do remember someone coming towards me, a human, but I couldn't or don't remember seeing a face. I do remember hearing children playing close by. It was a lovely feeling of everything being good and right here. There was no animosity. There was no hatred. And I had a total understanding of why I was on earth and who I was. I wasn't there long, and someone told me I had to go back. It wasn't my time yet. I argued that I didn't want to leave, but before I could get my argument out, I was already on my way back. When I was there, it was so beautiful, I didn't want to leave. There was nothing mean or bad there at all. It was wonderful. This was, this was the bad place to me. I think she means earth. This was the bad place to me. But when I was back here, I couldn't remember what it was that I so understood when I was there. I still wonder. It seems as if it was something so simple so obvious that I just couldn't believe that I didn't realize it before. I still wonder what it is. I do know that I am not afraid of death anymore. Death is not the end of the world. I believe that we are here for a purpose. Maybe to learn something we needed to learn before we can go there. And that is the end of Connie's experience. Let's go to Marie. Or sorry, Maria. Maria says... I felt an energy suctioning me to a bright, big light, then traveling throughout a garden with greenery and a small or a, a strong smell of roses. I felt the presence of my grandmother, but I never saw her. Also, a musical sound of harps, a sweet, calming melody. Next, I was able to see a surgery room a patient on the surgery table, and the nursing and physician staff around this person. I was able to see the legs of the patient, but never the face. I noticed that I was viewing this scene from the ceiling at a corner angle. I felt no weight or body, and I did not hear conversations, only visual monitoring. I knew that this patient was deceased. The best experience was that I was able to experience calmness, warmth, love, peacefulness that I will never feel in this world. All the sadness was gone, my insecurity and my emptiness. I heard a strong and vibrant male voice commanding me to go back, that this was not my time. I replied to that voice that I wanted to remain where I was. I didn't want to go back. He commanded me approximately three times to go back now. I remember waking up and I had tears on my cheeks and a deep 
sensation of sadness. My first word to a nurse were, first words to a nurse were, I saw all of you working on a patient that was deceased. I was able to describe where the staff was positioned. The nurse looked at my, me startled and told the other staff to remain quiet. I asked to see my physician, but my husband said that he had to leave immediately. Per my husband, he never got to discuss my status with my physician, never got to see him after surgery. I found out through my mother one month ago that my husband did talk with my physician. My husband was told that I had severe complications during my surgery, but that I was now stable. After this event, I experienced visions of angels, angelical music, able to smell my grandmother's essence, and there have been numerous experiences where I had felt her touching my hair or my shoulder while I smell her favorite perfume and her cigar. That is the end of Maria's experience. And let's go to a third. This is Pam. Pam says, After falling down, I entered into another universe. I'd rather say into space, in a strong light. I felt wonderfully well. I was no more hungry and didn't suffer any more. It seemed to me that I was able to understand everything and to give, finally, a sense to my life. I was aware of being dead, and the earth seemed so far away. I had no more any link with earth. I knew flying. I met other beings who, as me, had no body anymore. But anyway, I could enter them and then know what they had felt and who they were, even if I didn't know them. Then I, missed, uh, then I met Christ himself. I recognized him straight away. I understood he wanted me to go back to earth, but I didn't want to do so. But he told me it was not the time for me, and that we'll see each other again pretty soon. I'm very attached to my family, but at this moment, this had absolutely no importance at all. I had no opportunity at all to make contact with earth or people living on the earth and I was not any more interested in doing so. I had been attracted back to earth, and when I woke up, I was very angry against my family, who helped me to breathe again. That is the end of that experience. Okay, so let's talk about these three experiences for a moment. Um, first off, Connie says that, uh, that she the first thing that uh, she sees coming toward her, she remembers doesn't remember a light, but she does remember something com someone coming toward her, a human, but I couldn't or don't remember seeing a face. There is something about that that is very common, that seeing people on the other side, I don't know if it's that they're lacking a face. I doubt they're seeing this, you know, just plain skin. I suspect that they're seeing just light where a face should be, or that maybe their face is so bright that it's hard to make out a face. And yet that doesn't put any hampering on the ability to recognize individuals. In fact, people are able to recognize individuals even before they see them. They'll, they'll suddenly say, oh, grandma, and then they'll turn around and grandma is right there. 
They know that she's there. They know exactly how far she is from them. They know exactly what she's thinking, feeling, so forth. It's like faces are kind of a, you know, it's it's like smell is here. Yes, there is a recognition of of people's smells sometimes, but you know, if you ask yourself, what does your neighbor smell like? Well, I'm I'm not sure, you know, or what does your your um, uh, that that uh, old man down the street? What is his? What does he smell like? Well, I mean, I maybe like my grandpa. I don't know. You know, it's it, it's it's not something we notice, and yet if we try to notice, we can, we can. I think that's how visual is on the other side, and yet the visual on the other side is so potent and much stronger than it is here. Basically, what I'm saying is senses are so much stronger on the other side. And the senses that we don't have here, but we do have there, are so much bigger and louder and more potent. Anyway, um, she says she remembers there being children nearby. Um, she's not afraid of death, but she does recognize that when, while she's there, she has this total understanding of why she's on earth and who she is. And it, and it feels so obvious to her, so simple. But yet when she comes back, the memory of what that was, what it was that she was here for, the purpose of her life, and who exactly she was, was gone. And she's like, it's so puzzling because it seems so simple and obvious and clear. And yet, when she comes back, she can't remember what it is. Which tells me one of two things. Either it's only obvious to spirits because they're so much more advanced than we are, and to us, it would be complicated beyond reason, which I kind of doubt, or at least maybe partly that a little bit or whatever. But I think the second uh, possibility that I can think of is the more likely one, which is either we or spirits on the other side or God or whoever it is that masks memories does it incredibly well, beautifully well. I mean... Which is to say that that's intended that we forget. Now, is it intended that we never remember? I don't know. If it's part of your life purpose to remember, or it helps you fulfill your life purpose, then perhaps you will remember, or at least will have the opportunity if it's important to do so. Or you could be instructed what to do without the memory of of what your life purpose is. But there's this idea of life purpose and this idea of of you having an important essential i mean like mandatory life purpose i mean it's it, they talk about it as if the whole world will not work right if you don't fulfill your purpose and yet they also say that people make choices all the time to not fulfill their life purpose and that is interesting to me that is odd and strange and fascinating and yet, if we seek and try to fulfill whatever purpose God may have for us, basically meaning follow his guidance in day-to-day -day life, then I think we won't have a problem doing so. Let's go on to Maria. Maria talks about, um, about how she is seeing her self being worked on. She doesn't realize that it's her at the time. It's not until she wakes up that she realizes that was her. Um, but anyway, she, she talks about energy suctioning her into a big, bright light. 
sounds very consistent with people being drawn into a light and then traveling, as she says, throughout a garden with greenery and a strong smell of roses. She says she feels the presence of her grandmother, though she doesn't see her, but she also hears the sound of harps, the musical sound of harps. Now, I find this interesting because I haven't found too many people that have actually heard harps. They hear, you know, angelic choirs. They hear, you know, voices and 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 um, chimes and other kinds of music. Sometimes strings, you know, like violins and whatever. Uh, and they hear all these beautiful musical sounds. But the stereotypical, you know, playing harps in heaven kind of thing is so stereotypical, and yet. I don't come across it very often. And here's one where she's hearing harps. Now, is this because there are harps playing in the place where she was? And I and I, I hesitate to say, is there a sound of harps in heaven? Because it's kind of like saying, is there a sound of harps on earth? Well, it depends on where you go. If you, if you get on Spotify and look up harp music, yeah, you're going to find harps and you're going to be able to hear it. And there's plenty of harps to hear. But if you don't seek that out, then you won't hear it very often, you know, unless you go to to uh, concerts where such things are played. And in on the other side, it appears that intention is a huge aspect to what people experience. That's not to say that if I expect to see Jesus, that's why I see him. It's more like if you want to see Jesus or you feel this expectation toward him, he senses that, recognizes it, and will oblige your intent and show up and be there. And if you feel like heaven is going to be a place full of, of tall trees and, and beautiful large forests, your intention says, this is where I would like to go, and perhaps that is what guides you to end up in that place. It's the place that brings you joy and therefore, you are likely to end up there. It's not that the place is invented in some kind of mental construct for you, some kind of virtual reality that's built on your intentions. I don't think of it that way. Some people do, and I understand that, but I don't think it's that way. It just doesn't seem um, like that's what's going on. It seems like the spirit world is so large, so expansive, and so detailed that Anything that you want to experience, you just got to go to that place. And as we see from many of these experiences, distance, location, and travel are non-issues. They're just not issues. You can go anywhere in the universe instantly, basically. And, uh, and if that's the case, as I understand it to be, and some people go there in the blink of an eye, like Quink, and you're there, and then others travel there at faster than the speed of light so they can see planets and systems and galaxies rushing by them and so forth because that's how they want to see it. That's how they want to get there. That's their intent. Maybe it's their expectation. And, and expectation, honestly, is a form of intent, if you think about it. If I expect walking into my house to see it a certain way, there's a reason for that, okay? It's probably because of how I left it. And that expectation is there because that's how I left it. And I left it that way because I thought that that's how it should be left based on all things that led up to what made it that way in the first place. 
Anyway, so there is something to be said for intent, but intent is not everything, and expectation is not everything. Expectation does not necessarily create your reality, but it may influence your reality. I know for myself, if I expect to walk out to my car and see nothing, then there's a better chance that I won't notice the deer just a quarter mile off to the left, or the elk or moose or something unexpected but possible to see. And, uh, and I'm less likely to notice it. That said, sometimes we do notice things that we don't expect to see, and it's a surprise, and it's a you know beautiful thing. I think all of these kinds of of sensations that we experience here, which really only partially influence reality, take place on the other side, but they take place in such a way as to allow us to experience um, things that we might expect to experience because that's our idea of what heaven is. And so we're taking there. I don't know. I'm pro I think I'm kind of going in circles there. I, I hope the message or at least the intent of my message came across, which is that just because something is what you expect, such as the sound of harps, doesn't mean there aren't harps. It just means that if you're expecting that and intending to encounter that, you're more likely to do so because there's places where that is. Anyway, okay, so... Um, when she returns, she has some after effects. She talks about experiencing visions of angels, angelic music, and the smell of my grandmother's essence. And now I'm not sure what an essence smells like. If, if it's just that general smell of a person that, oh, that smell reminds me of grandma or whatever, um, or smell of a baby or whatever, you know, all the fluids and, and you know, shampoos that they use, whatever. I don't know if that's what she means or if there's something more. Um, but having the gift to be able to smell someone's essence is pretty cool because that means often when a spirit visits an individual, say a deceased parent or something, often smell is one of the senses that is triggered in that. I'm not sure what it is about smell, but smell seems to be a very common um, sign of the presence of a loved one. Okay, so Pam, um, in Pam's experience, she, like Connie, suddenly experiences a sense of knowing why she's on earth and why she's doing what she's doing. She says, I was no more hungry, didn't suffer, and it seemed to me that I was able to understand everything and to give, finally, a sense to my life. She's able to sense that. And uh, when she comes back... She says she was angry with her family for bringing her back. In fact, she says that when she left, she felt no connection to them anymore, which is so interesting to me and bizarre, slightly troubling as, as a mortal. But uh, I'm under the impression that it's not that we lose connection with family as in, oh, those people don't matter to me, but rather that this whole construct of our life situation of me living at this house and you living at that house and, and I have this job and you have that, you know, duty and you have this role and I have that role. All of that disappears and all that's left in between or all that's left when you take out everything in between 
is the relationship that we have with one another, which is recognized by spirits to be eternal and not just limited to this life. So I think leaving this life and and feeling this non-connection to family, I think what they're saying, I and, and I hope I'm not putting words in their mouth that aren't true, but I think what they're saying is that it's okay. I mean, my family's going to be with me just in no time anyway. You know, it's, it's kind of like walking off or going to, off to the store. You don't leave and immediately think, oh, my family isn't here with me. I miss them. You think, yeah, it's just going to be a few minutes. I'll be right back. And you don't even, you're not concerned about your family at that time when you're going to the store because, I mean, it's just very, very, very temporary. And it's, and there's nothing to be concerned about. And that's, I think, what they're experiencing. It's not that they have no concern for their family, but it's that, you know, in leaving this life, we begin to see life for what it really is. And the illusion of all our economic systems and political whatever, and even the things that we fear and, and the the financial and legal issues that we may be constantly stressing over, those things are not a concern in the next life, which is one of the reasons why it seems that people can return to that side and while on earth they may have had a parent that they loathed, they just absolutely didn't get along with, they hated each other, maybe there was some abuse as a child and and any efforts to make amends as they were older, just fell flat, and they were not really on speaking terms, and just had a horrible relationship, just a real strong disconnect, they get to the other side, and there's there's a recognition of those things, but they tend to feel like, weren't we so childish? Wasn't that so silly of us? And yet we also, they also often think, you know, I'm grateful that we went through all that together, because we needed to recognize what true deep compassion and empathy were and we couldn't have done that without feeling that estrangement that we had for each other and i'm not suggesting by this that if you have broken relationships that you shouldn't try to fix them because it doesn't matter or something it does matter and it and you should make the effort because it's an act of love which act of love is what this is all about but I am suggesting that when you see them on the other side, you're going to see all the context and say, oh, we were so silly, weren't we? I, I suspect there'll be apologies and, and making up for you know wrongdoings and so forth. But I don't think it'll be on the level of that. that you might, it, it's kind of like you encounter a kid that you knew in kindergarten who was kind of mean to you. And you always had kind of this feeling about them through elementary and then through high school you didn't really know them anymore maybe they were in the distance and you see that they fixed their life they're better whatever but then at a high school reunion you may see each other and, and suddenly you're talking to each other like your best friends because i mean that was kindergarten we get it we were weird and silly and and stupid and and all this stuff and now we've grown up and we're mature and we can look back on these on those things with a much better perspective on life. And I think that's what people are experiencing often when they go back, which is so cool. I mean, the, the, the people that you feel like you hate or that are hurting you or that you're hurting in some way, those things, yes, they hurt here. And yes, we should try to make up those, those things because that's an act of love. And love is so valuable to all this. And 
it, it obviously, and in saying this too, I don't want to suggest that, you know, if there's someone who is abusing you or hurting you in some way, that you shouldn't just allow that. Certainly not. But you can forgive them and you can say, you know what, there's sides to this issue that I don't see or that I don't understand. And though I have to protect myself and stand up for myself, certainly that's a that's an act of love toward yourself that you need to, you know, have. But you don't have to think, oh, they're evil, they're going to hell, or they're going to suffer for their things. Because once you get to the other side, you're going to realize, I don't want them to suffer. I, I do want them to see the full context, but I don't want them to suffer. That's how we're going to see things on the other side. We're going to see a bigger view, and we're going to see how silly and stupid we were in this life, and how naive we were at times, and how short-sighted we were at times, and how we'd get into these petty arguments that the argument would take over the issue to the point where we'd hate each other because we hate each other, not because of what's really going on. And that is so unfortunate. And we are so limited in our views on this, on this planet, or not on this planet, but in this life. And, and it's tempting to say, why do we have to be so stupid? Why do we have to be so naive and so, you know, overlooking each other's context and understand each other and so, so forth? But the fact is, that's part of the reason that we came here. A big reason that we came here. It's not so that we could hate each other, but it was so we could experience the not knowing and then not having the full context so that we could experience suffering on a level that we just couldn't experience there and then in so doing we can learn to transcend the suffering and to be able to overlook people's um, shortcomings to be able to say look I can't let you hurt me again but I recognize that you're hurting too in, in a different way and maybe even in the same way and we've hurt each other and we can have compassion for each other and recognize that one day we're going to look back at this and in the spirit world we're going to see each other and say and say man we were we were kind of idiots uh, you know it's so good to be able to look past that now and i think that's how it's going to be for a lot of us in a lot of ways and all of us in many ways so anyway if you would like to leave a comment or share your own experience or ask a question, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. You can also support the podcast by either purchasing the book Life in the Spirit World or by going to patreon.com slash NDEcast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. If you do that, you'll also have access to an extra episode of the show each week. And with that, thank you, all of you again, so much for listening.